This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. Yeah, I'm Dave Etler on today's show, accelerating the pre-med timeline while still getting things done. How nutrition is taught in med school. And a new internet challenge enters the chat. And to discuss all that, please welcome MD PhD student Miranda Skeen. What's cracking, big smacking? Okay. <laughs> uh, MD PhD student Riley Bean is here. Just not as original as that, but hi. No, it's okay. I stole that from the internet. It's fine. M2 Eric Bozart joins us. Hello. And a new co host, Zach Shepard, is with us today. He's an M1. Welcome to the show, Zach. Yeah, good day, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Today's show is sponsored by Enso Rings. Good rings. Okay. We, still, we still never found out if we can autoclave them. but well, uh-huh. We'll talk oh. about that uh, when we visit the financial aid office later. Zach, you're from Colorado. Indeed, <gasps> yes, I am. How'd you find your way to Iowa? Friend. You know, it's a it's a funny story. I'm from Colorado and, you know, I applied to med school and, you know, like a classical student, had like 15 schools, you know, like the top four that you know aren't quite in reach, but you're applying anyways. And then the other ones. And then my aunt heard of University of Iowa and said, hey, why don't you apply here? And I thought... Sure, and it was about 14 on my list of 15, if I'm being completely honest. Hey! Um, But, you know, I applied, and then I think, obviously, it's a little harder to gauge these things over COVID, but during the interview process and, like, second look day, I just, like, loved the people I met, the community, and ultimately, I just thought, you know, this is a school and an environment that seems collaborative, really engaging, and also just, like, a, a very fun atmosphere. So, my wife and I visited, we really loved it, and now we are here, so... What did you uh, study as an undergrad? I studied neuroscience and then I did a minor in music performance, which basically meant I ran between two buildings frequently that had very little overlap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that does sound... Sounds about right. I was going to say like all music performance or a specific like instrument or style or something like that. I uh, I actually specialized in pipe organ performance. So if you ever wanted to meet an organist under the age of 50, you know, we could talk, but... Heck yeah. Yeah. You know, we have a fantastic pipe organ here at the at the University of Iowa. I don't know if you realize this. It's apparently pretty special. What makes a pipe organ special? History, I think. Large? And, like, is Large. it just old? Yeah. History, Huge, hugeness. Hugeness, complicated. generally. Yeah, cool. there's, a, cool, cool. Like, there's many complexity. different factors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got it, got no, it. Why don't you tell Three us, different Zach? Why, yeah, why, yeah. Don't we have the yeah, like, why don't we actually have someone <laughs> yeah. who's an organist who can tell us? No, I'm, I, don't I don't want no expert tell me about pipe organs. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> I was Let really me just tell in, you what I've heard about pipe organs. My research on the internet tells me. I heard from a friend of a friend that pipe organs are bad. Yeah. So, uh, no, I was just enjoying looking at Eric because his description of a good pipe organ was just flailing limbs about and just, yeah. you know, you know what does make a good pipe organ? It's a good question. There's a lot of things that fall into it because they truly are the most complex musical instrument made. They were originally, you know, designed to mimic an entire orchestra if need be. Oh. So you had this huge variety of sounds and a good pipe organ really depends on many things. One is the variety of pipes that you're using. You can have different sounds by the different styles of pipes and the different registrations of them. Another big one is just the assemblance, the 
acoustics of it. You know, you could have the right pipes, but if they're not placed in the right spot and aren't well designed, you're going to get a lot of strange sounds going on. And then, yeah, age is certainly a big one. There's, you know, certain organ manufacturers and, you know, this is really coming down a, a depth of knowledge that I love this. I'm, I'm all right. for this. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm really it's loving this. Very niche. But yeah, you have different organ makers, so to speak, and different companies that specialize in, you know, handmade mechanical organs and they're you know renowned for certain things so like some organs have like a, a german baroque really kind of rich sound to them that's good for like bach and others might have like a french romantic feel that's good for like if you want to play something that sounds maybe a little more flowy and like have pedals for like volume change and so there's a lot of like really interesting factors to the pipe organ so if you're ever interested there are a lot of interesting tours online you can basically look up pipe organ tours and they have these digital tours to see the insides of like giant pipe organs. It's really quite fascinating. So cool. Did you investigate whether they'll let you uh, fiddle around with their pipe organ at the College of Music? I did, yeah. Essentially, you have to be taking lessons through the College of Music to use their pipe organ. But as a med student, you can take lessons. You just have to be able to pay for them for a semester. And honestly, it's not very expensive. It's relatively cheap, actually. Are so you do it? I'd like to. I'm, I'm gauging out the first few weeks of med school, getting yeah. a sense of, all right, Smart. where's my That's schedule? Where's my time? But because your so only cool. other option is uh, local churches, pretty much. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's not a do lot. Of, it. Yeah. I say do it. I, you know, whenever I'm given the opportunity, I say uh, med students. Do it. Don't put your head down. Do something crazy. Don't put your head down. Do and something just, wild. Yeah. Do something <laughs> wild. Be, be yourself. Don't put your head down and just do medicine. You'll go crazy. Is this and, from your new rap album? <laughs> you know, maybe we could collaborate rap organ music. I think yeah. there's oh, a yeah. possibility. Oh, new genre, Ooh, new genre. Yeah. This is the future of music. Absolutely. <laughs> Screw piano. Well, <laughs> uh, and you heard it here, folks, right here on the short code. Piano's podcast. out. Organ yeah. in. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Thank you for for joining us for the fun. Thank you for having me. We have a listener question from <gasps> Stephanie, who will either make you feel lazy. Oh, good. Or perhaps that there's a whole other personality type besides type A. And type B. Let's hear from Stephanie. Hey there. So my name is Stephanie and I'm a pre-med. But to be more specific, I'm early admissions to my local college, UCF. Sorry, I'm driving right now. That's what the clicker is. <laughs> so I'm going to graduate with my associates and most of my basic science credit when I graduate high school. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, how do I approach studying for the MCAT, getting my research hours, my clinicals, when I pretty much only have two years left of undergrad? And additional to that, do med schools even like 19-year-olds applying? Yes, and let me know. And I love the podcast, by the way. It makes me laugh every time. So, yeah. Thank you. Wow. Are you? Can we, we clarify the timeline <laughs> yeah. real quick? Yeah. 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 She's okay. she about to graduate high school. So she's about to graduate high school. Is early admission early to admission UCF. Early admission to UCF. So she is in to UCF, I'm assuming. For assume, medical presumably. school or for un the well, no, rest undergrad? For undergrad. For undergrad. Okay. But I thought she was early admission so for credits. Yeah. So she's got, a, she's got two years of transfer okay. credits from high school, it sounds okay. like. Oh, it makes good sense. And so yeah. she's really only got two years left at UCF. That she needs to be That there. she needs. And then she can apply to medical school and she'd be 19 at the end of that. Yeah. Stephanie, you are insane. You are an incredible <laughs> person. Why? I am so impressed yeah. right now. Wow. Mad woman. Boy, I mean, you know, discipline, I would imagine, mm -hmm. is oh, going to yeah. be how you get there. Discipline and also making sure to make contact with whichever advisor. Like, it, 
like for the record, if it helps give you confidence, I didn't actually start prepping for med school until like halfway through my sophomore year when I only had yeah. like two and a half years left of college. So I don't think that's something Stephanie would ever consider. Not I know I'm, <laughs> I'm so lazy. I'm such a slacker, uh, <laughs> but like it is totally doable. So don't stress about that part. Um, you crazy, relentless, mad woman. I would also add to in the two years of, you know, prepping for med school, Take some time to have fun and yeah, be seriously. an undergrad and be a college student. You know, because- I I agree. I, I worry about and, and, you know, this is patronizing of me. I understand that. But I just worry about people who who are so like they're just going for it. I worry that that there's the potential for for burnout. That yep. There's the potential yeah. for yep. missing out on some things, experiences that you should have as a college, maybe yeah, not getting yeah, crunk. Yeah, I was going to say like getting blackout drunk in a 7-Eleven. Yeah, no, <laughs> a there's a lot of other experiences. You can get through college have. without experiencing that. That is true. Yeah, that is not a requirement of college. Hashtag hidden curriculum. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I imagine that you're, I mean, yeah, you're, like, you're going to have, you're going to have to have a plan and you're going to have to be flexible in that plan because mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. things don't work out. A hundred percent. Don't stress yeah, out definitely. about it. This is a long journey. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I actually you bring up a good point because part of this question is like she's going into UCF and is already planning her like medical school application, which is already kind of a lot. Like, I mean, I get it. You're very driven. And that's something that I really respect about you. I don't know when this turned into an interview. Yeah, like there's an extent of I can pretty much guarantee that things are going to happen even in those two years that you are have not anticipated yet. And I mm-hmm. want to make sure that's not going to throw you off. That's just life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like and life would, happens. I would also say and kind of putting myself in my, I guess, 16 year old shoes. I remember a day in which I thought, oh, there's always I got to just get through it and then I can be an adult. I can I just you got to get through it as fast as you can because then you can live your life and then you can do all the great things in the world. And so I see where she's coming from. My best advice for you would be to kind of take a step back and think about what's going to make you the happiest right now. If that is grinding as much as you can for medicine and getting into medical school as fast as possible, then albeit do that. Mm -hmm. Like that's incredible. But if you take a step back and you think, maybe I want to take a gap year. Maybe I want to study abroad in France. Maybe I want to backpack across Asia. And I think if you take a step back and realize those are things you want to do, then extend that period of time a little bit more and just put medical school on pause because I promise once you get to medical school, you will not be able to do those things. Yeah. It'll still be here when you get back. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a big proponent as well as like, you know, giving yourself that time, I think. So I entered into undergrad also having quite a few credits taken care of. And I had this option essentially of, okay, do I want to shorten this down to, you know, two and a half, three years, or do I want to spread it out? And I ended up spreading it out. And that's why I did my music minor. That was Mm -hmm. what like fleshed out for me undergrad. And in addition to that, I also had a few gap years before undergrad. So I, you know, I had a, a decent amount of time that I had taken and I'm definitely extremely thankful for that time. I wouldn't say any of that was stuff that didn't like help with medicine. In fact, I'd say like all of that was not only very helpful in terms of like boosting up, I guess your traditional resume, things like being able to have some time to volunteer overseas, time to like really diversify my interests. But also I think it was even more beneficial for just my general well-being, feeling Mm -hmm. like I could enter med school having 
an established lifestyle and some hobbies that I knew I really enjoyed. And, you know, again, I'm not at all, you know, dissing on having that drive to move forward because I think that's really valuable and will serve you extremely well once you hit the rigors of med school. But taking that time to really have some time for self-reflection and time to say, okay, like, what do I enjoy? What can I do to really reap some fruit from my undergrad time? Because, I mean, a lot of students are entering med school who have masters, you know, some who have PhDs, you know, there's people with a lot of qualifications. And while moving really fast, I think may seem desirable. I think there's also something to be said for having a little extra time to flesh out not just your resume, but also just who you are as a person. I was going to say the same thing. I was going to be like, don't lose track of who you are as a person because Mm -hmm. academics get your foot in the door, but you have to realize that who you are as a person is a selling point as well. Yeah, exactly. You can't can't lose track of that. (laughs) I kind of wanted to jump in as well because I could not agree more with that taking some time for your own hobbies because I also, I got a minor in like classical culture and it only required taking like five extra classes, but those classes were some of the best times I had in undergrad. Like I don't remember a lot about my microbiome class or my like genetics class, but I do remember having spirited debate about book like five of the inferno in my one (laughs) classics class that I took with one of my favorite professors or like learning about gladiatorial warm-up areas in one of my archaeo and one of my archaeology classes. I took a gothic literature class. That was like one of my (laughs) favorite classes. They're so fun. Yeah. And that I remember being, and I actually kind of wish I had taken some more time, like taken a gap year, done something like a, because that's more life experience to have under your belt and B, because it does help you get more. I, I hate to say resume padding because it's always my absolute <laughs> worst enemy whenever I come on here. But even just getting more experience and things that you can demonstrate to show colleges like this is who I am and I have learned these things and I've done these and you know what? Having all this stuff. I see what you're saying about the, the phrase padding, but here's, yeah. here's my personal take on it. Every person that you meet, every person that you come into contact becomes, and I know this is going to get trippy, dippy, hippy, but becomes <laughs> a part of you. They, you know, every experience you have becomes a part of you. It shapes who you are and how you react to the world. I think it's best to get a breadth of experience mm-hmm. in your lifetime, right? Good and bad. Good mm-hmm. and bad. Mm-hmm. And to... And that allows you to become a more, I don't know what the word, interesting, a more, a more full person, a more. Mm -hmm. I think full person is a good descriptor. But, you know, I I also want to address your actual question instead of admonishing you to stop it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We do our best to raise our listeners up on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I I love you, Stephanie. And, and I think that you're going to be amazing, even if you, you know, if, if you come in at 19 or if you come in at 25, it doesn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. May may I take a stab at a quick summary statement? Yeah. Like your goals are doable. And as long as you have the drive to make them happen, you can make them happen. Mm -hmm. But our advice in general would be to just consider slowing down a bit. You don't have to take that reflection. Yeah. And if you self reflect and you're like, nope, still want to go for it, that absolutely, by all means, you make your dreams happen. Yes. That said, just Mm -hmm. make sure you're not rushing ahead blindly. As for your, uh, as for your actual question, yeah, you're, you're going to need to do a lot of planning. You're going to need to probably take a summers and intercession classes. Yep. Yeah, definitely. If you can get your hands on an MCAT prep class, like see if your college mm-hmm. has that. And see, what do you guys that. think about this idea? I, I, if if you have if you have a class that you feel that you might be weak in, take it during the summer. 
I think that's a wonderful idea. I think that's Certainly. a very good yeah. idea. Yeah. I think I've yeah. heard that from a lot of advisors that that is a great idea because you get to spend all of your time. You have yeah, more it's like, yeah. It comes at you faster, but you also don't have to worry about the weird paper that you have to write for that one history class yeah. that you have to take exactly. for a graduation requirement. Yeah, exactly. yeah. For that one English class that everyone has to take that everyone hates. But. Yeah, that no, that no <laughs> yeah. one wants yeah. to take, but everyone has to take. I'm so, I'm so much smarter now than I was in college. I'm so <laughs> much smarter. I did not do, like all of this advice that, that I would give you now, I could not have come up with when I was a stupid, stupid undergrad. Well, that's kind of the point of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Where it's like, I couldn't have come up with this advice when I was an undergrad yeah. because undergrad me was a moron. Unless, like, yeah, unless exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good self-reflection there. Yeah. like no. <laughs> um, Although undergrad me did uh, decide to learn how to ride a longboard and that was still like, one of the best decisions I've hey, made. Yeah. Hey. I'm cool. I'm you, hip. You still ride around on your longboard? I've never Occasionally. Seen... It's not flat enough around here or enough like like yeah it's all hills and it's, so yeah, you're a it's, lazy longboard yes i am okay, fair <laughs> enough. i would love to hear uh, a lot more about your journey stephanie I, I hope you'll keep in touch with us and yeah and tell best us, of luck yeah that's really telling. inspired me yeah. So. yeah that's a lot to accomplish go for it you crazy person Very absolutely mm-hmm. we're, but, we're but rooting keep your, for you keep your feet on the ground and, especially uh, now because you're driving like my gosh woman. yeah yeah <laughs> uh don't don't uh you know you don't need to to call us while you're driving. <laughs> I feel very inspired when I'm driving. I get my best thoughts when I'm driving. It's true. Or in the shower. And it, that's the worst because you can't write them down. Yeah. And by the time I've gotten out and dried off, it's like, well, that was a great idea. That's lost <laughs> now forever. I'm or, a big proponent of bathroom thinking. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. A lot of good science. You know, there's actually a an example of a man who solved one of the, these really complex physics problems when he was taking a shower and thought, I can't write anything down. So he just used his finger and the steam and started writing out equations. And apparently it was like one of his big breakthroughs. So, you know, I'm oh, a proponent for that. Oddly, that hasn't happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcoats at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. Let's visit the financial aid office, shall we? I have been wearing rings since my mid-twenties. My wedding ring is now 21 years old. It's tungsten. It's this one right here. And I've got a silver ring on the other hand that came earlier than that. Here's the thing. My fingers have changed over the years such that I can't wear my wedding ring on the proper finger. And I'm afraid I will lose my wedding ring like my wife did. Uh, but lately, I have been, I have seen. <laughs> for half a second there, and I, I know you're married, but for half a second there, I thought you were going to be like, I thought I would lose my wedding ring the way I lost my wife. And that- <laughs> <laughs> that's how to do an ad. Yeah. She just got really dark. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> So just keep that in mind for the future ad reads. Got it. Lately, I've been seeing this trend, though, in in silicone rings. And so I was intrigued by the Rise collection from Enso Rings. They are high-quality silicone rings that are a great alternative to some of the downsides of hard metal rings. Enso Rings collection is perfect for the lifestyle and work style of a doctor. They uh, have attractive, precious metal looks, some of them, with the comfort and safety of silicone in attractive colors like obsidian slate, pink sand, turquoise. And so rings are an alternative for your traditional wedding band. And you can leave your ring on no matter what you're doing, whether you're at work, at home, traveling. Plus, Enso Rings Rise Collection 
has SteriTouch antimicrobial technology, meaning a cleaner ring. And by the way, the question came up last time we talked about Enso rings in the last episode. They can be autoclaved, no problem, according to Really? That's pretty cool. They're made right here in the U.S. too. I've been wearing one from the Rise collection that Enso Ring sent me for more than a week, and I like it. It's comfortable. It stays on my finger. When I want it to stay on my finger, it comes off easier, I think, than my metal rings. They've designed their rings with anti-avulsion technology, which means if you get your ring caught on a basketball hoop or a metal fence, they break away before your finger comes off or is degloved. I tested it by stretching it out, and it it did indeed break without too much effort, even though it struck me as durable enough uh, to be a ring. And I think their pricing is right. It's right on. Way, way less than a wedding ring. Good for them. Now, the price is even better, because our listeners can get 10% off their first purchase. Short Coats, you're going to want to check out Enso Rings today. Just go to EnsoRings.com today and use promo code SHORT. That's promo code SHORT at EnsoRings.com. Com. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I actually was thinking that had a Z in it. But nope. it's E-N-S-O. E-N-S-O rings mm-hmm. dot com. Thank you, Enso Rings, for your for your support. It's very thank nice you. Thank you for the money. It's nice of you. It's the Short Coat Podcast from University <laughs> know, of Iowa Carver know, College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler with med students Miranda Skeen, Riley Bean, Eric Bozart, and Zach Shepard. Say hi, everybody. Hello. It's a little something new I'm trying. <laughs> We've got a listener question from Varsha. Ooh, good name. Who would be who would be beloved by our biochem professor Pete Rubenstein? Let's hear from Varsha. Hello, I am a huge fan of the podcast. I don't get to drive much in this virtual workspace, but when I do, I'm always listening to you guys. I'm not sure if this has been discussed extensively in the past, but I was wondering if you all focus on nutrition much in the curriculum, or if there are any dedicated electives or movement into emphasizing the importance of healthy eating in medicine. I would love to hear more if so. Thanks. Can we just take a sec and talk about how well that AI voice I'm, AI was? Really was? creepily oh my God. good. I, yeah, I spent some time being like, what "Was that a person?" <laughs> I, I definitely. I was. What kind confused. of AI you got here? It's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like it's actually, her. you know, Zach, you and I were talking about imitations. Uh, that, that was actually me imitating. Barbara. You know, I was about <laughs> to ask. I was like, you know, that's a great, you know, a little trick to pull out. Just you're an AI now. <laughs> what do you guys think? How, what, what What's your experience with? I looked at the curriculum repository we have here that you know sort of keep track yeah. keeps track of everything that's in the curriculum and I you know I found 40 places in the didactic curriculum where the word nutrition is used. Wow, that seems like a lot. It does. Uh, breastfeeding, mm-hmm. personalized nutrition, food strategies, oh, yeah. premature birth, disorders of the liver and biliary tract, student well-being, fitness and exercise, weight management, essential elements and minerals, that sort of thing all come up in the Preclinical curriculum, apparently. And in clerkships, I got another nine results. Am, a, the ambulatory practice module clerkship, OB-GYN, pediatrics, community-based primary care, family medicine, all, you know, sort of bring those up. Some of the mentions, perhaps most often in clerkships, I think might be, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're discussing how nutrition or lack thereof can affect many diseases. So they're not talking, they're talking less about normal nutrition, like what you should get versus what you're not getting. Yeah. Correct. And I assume some of those are also like we talk about motivational interviewing um, and like trying to get people to change their habits. Like I assume that would also come up, even though that's not technically talking about nutrition, it's more talking about patients convincing them to do nutrition. One of my biggest annoyances or not one of my biggest, but one thing that I've noticed, I would say is that people who are not in the medical curriculum or who are not going through medical school 
often think that doctors are not learning enough about nutrition. They want doctors mm-hmm. to learn more about nutrition. And I think we all want doctors to learn more about nutrition. There's always something more to learn. There yeah. is always something more mm-hmm. to learn. However, I think those people kind of see that as a way to maybe blame their their doctors for not giving them this information or not kind of putting it on a platter for them. So I think there's kind of been a lot of misinformation going out to like everyone that's not even just going into medical school about whether or not doctors have nutrition training, because at the end of the day, our healthcare system and that's the whole thing is like you only get 15 minutes with your doctor. And if they spent that 15 minutes lecturing you on how to eat fruits and veggies, you'd probably never go to that doctor again, even though that's probably what's best for you. Yeah. So that's a whole rant to say that I think there's a lot of opinions. And and there's a certain element where it's like, and I actually do agree that like sometimes the nutrition information we get seems a little bit like wishy-washy, but in a way that's kind of because like at, like, we don't know a lot. We don't know a lot. I mean, and like, not we know enough of... where it's like, there are people that study this for a living and they're dietitians yep. and nutritionists. Like we have people like that. And because of that, really what we kind of get in medicine is a very high level. And it sounds almost stupid. It's like, well, we already know where it's like, you need a certain amount of calories yep. and you should be getting more protein than like carbs. Yep. And that's about it. And you should get your vitamins. And that's like about kind of what we get. Yeah, I think but you're, at the end I of the day, often, it's sort of what you need to counsel a patient. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I was going to say, like, if, if your doctor realizes that you need nutrition advice, they're probably going to refer you to a nutritionist right. yeah. who is the specialist yep. that that deals with this sort of thing. Now, that but is I, unfortunate because sometimes, you know, health insurance plans that cover primary care doctors don't necessarily cover visits to nutritionists yep, yep, or dietitians. Yep, which, yep. But Unless there's a problem of, or something very specific. Yeah. Like you have to be really careful with that referral. So there, but that's kind of a separate issue. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, even more so to kind of, I guess, play devil's advocate to like the amount of nutrition training we're getting. I I very much think we need more. I spend a mm-hmm. lot of my time on my outside medical education, educating myself about both personal nutrition and also nutrition for the masses, mm-hmm. especially kind of rewriting those those problems with quote unquote diet culture in yeah. which we are just having this constant stream of diets coming. So do I think we need to teach doctors about diets? I think we do in the sense where we need to be able to counsel people to maybe go away from diets and more toward wholesome eating and mm-hmm. in a way that we don't necessarily drive people to disordered eating, but just encourage them to live a healthier lifestyle, to live with more balance. So if we want to, as a medical profession, push toward more holistic counseling for our patients, mm-hmm. nutrition's the number one step that we need to add mm-hmm. in yeah. order to get to that place i think it would be a cool elective i would take something along that line just just because i i i'm right there with you where like i'd want to know but because i think that what kind of what to what you were saying i don't think that people understand that from a medical student perspective we get taught diets and things of that nature in the context of biochemistry and not in the context of the effect on the patient per se like it's a very specific context of like I remember because we mentioned Dr. Rubenstein and I'm sure Zach will get to know this. Oh, I have already gotten to know Dr. Rubenstein. It has begun. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot of like those specific diets get thrown out in the context of 
these certain t subset of patients probably shouldn't be on this type of diet because of their metabolism needs or something like that. So it's a very specific niche conversation that we're having and where it's not a general, like in general, we found that this diet works for this end goal of weight loss or something like yeah. that. So, and you know, part of the reason for that is because like any scientific basis for those mm -hmm. is like almost borderline. I, I think you'll hear this talked about a lot. It changes and it's like one of the most difficult things to study because like if I actually did this because I was like trying to get healthier at the beginning of the year. So I went on and I looked up stuff like, you know, you know, keto and intermittent fasting and all this stuff. Yep. You can find sources that back this up all the time, but half the time it's just because these people are on like a normal calorie restricted and these people have more restrictions and they lost more weight. It's like, wow, I'm shocked. So like in a certain extent, it's almost hard to mm -hmm. and the second thing for that is that it's so individualized, like what mm -hmm. works for one patient. Like I actually did do a little like modified intermittent fasting thing where I just like only ate between like noon and eight. Yep. And that worked really well for me because it was just like I have my coffee and then I didn't and then I waited to lunch and that was perfect. But for a lot of people, that's like not an option. It's like, right. no, I need my breakfast and that's not going to work for me. So it's super individualized. And that's why it's sort of hard to generalize. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't have more of it, but it's maybe not as simple of a conversation as maybe people would make mm -hmm. it out to be yeah. i would agree and i think like you know this has been a pretty hot topic in regards to cross-cultural medicine actually so there was a and i wish i knew the author but there was this essentially discussion that came about between european and u.s doctors regarding nutrition and basically they were going back and forth about the role of nutrition in medicine and the european doctors were talking about how it's quite informative to them something that they use frequently and a u.s doctor essentially replied well, that's the job for a nutritionist. And I think you could easily see two sides to this. In my mind, the, so more background, European medical schools typically do provide much more nutritional education than American ones. And I think the reason initially for us not using as much nutrition is time constraints. You know, med students are cramming quite a lot into their noggins and there's, you know, you have to find a balance somewhere. I will say I would agree definitely with the idea of individualized nutrition. I think for instance, my sister had some fairly major health struggles and nothing in traditional medicine was really making much of an impact. And then she visited somebody who specialized in nutrition and it was a radical change based mm -hmm. off some pretty substantial diet changes. Years later, my wife and I did a similar diet and rather than helping, we actually discovered that my wife had reflux from this because essentially um. for years... You know, eating things like carbs and dairy had suppressed that and then suddenly removing those exacerbated the problem. So, you know, for my sister and many others, this was, you know, a completely life changing diet. There were even patients who were struggling with cancer who, you know, came and nutrition made a really substantial impact on their prognosis. There's a great example of this here at Iowa. Mm -hmm. Dr. Terry Walls. Mm -hmm. yep. I don't know if you've probably haven't met her yet. Um, Not yet. She's incredible. She, she's you will, incredible. You will get to her know story about her. is incredible. Is this the one that I, I she, think that we had mentioned? It was a Cassidy's project. She, yeah. yeah. She yeah. had MS. She was confined to a wheelchair when I first got, or at least she used a wheelchair most of the time. I don't know if she was completely confined to a wheelchair, but either way, she modified her diet, and I couldn't tell you exactly how. She doesn't it's, use it's it. the pretty, Walls Protocol. Oh, she had. Yeah, like, she, look it yeah. Up. Did I say she had MS? She had she multiple. Had, she had MS. The Walls Protocol she came up with, and she no longer uses a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. wow. Which is crazy. Which it's is like almost it, in complete remission, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like to, to watch her walk around, you would never know. You would never know that, you know, 20 years ago when I first got here, she was in a wheelchair. Amazing. Yep. Amazing mm -hmm. story. So, yeah, I think it just 
It just shows, yeah. it, you know, it. We don't know the, a lot. We don't know. We don't, yeah, we don't know a lot. And and in fairness, like I think a friend of mine went on the Walls Protocol for a while. I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but um, like, and it did help a lot. But the problem is, it's very restrictive. Like, it basically mm-hmm. you pretty much can't go out to eat anymore. You have to like make all your own meals, and it's pre- and it's very limited in things. Now, again, that is incredibly powerful, and for people with a disease who are willing to do that, it makes a huge change. But that's also something that's not feasible for everybody i would just say that when it comes down to it and kind of how we're teaching these diets and i don't want to call them diets i guess i should just say how we want to treat teach people how to eat and how we should be taught how to teach people i think it comes down to just kind of some guidelines as we learn more and more we realize that processed foods not so great for us Mm -hmm. maybe shopping on the outside of the aisle there's all these kind of things that are they could probably fit in one lecture, but can really change the trajectory of a patient's a patient's nutritional input. Because yeah. if you're just shopping on the outside, you've got meats, veggies. It's about it. Like, and <laughs> so you can really, you can really kind of make that your basis, and then go through the aisles, grab a cereal if you want. But yeah, so just, the 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 bakery's cool. Is that the bakery, I guess. <laughs> that helps, donut's looking but, pretty good. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's <laughs> everything in moderation. Teeth. So if you've had just I, a good day, then get that donut. Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'm going to show you guys this chart, which pretty just came colors. out in Nature Food. Huh? Pretty colors. It does have pretty colors. The gist <laughs> of it is the, these, these, these authors came up with the number of Are minutes okay? that each of these foods will subtract from your lifespan. <laughs> I don't like that. Oh, <laughs> Sugar really sweetened beverages are really getting a bad oh, rap. What is I mean, next? those are kind of terrible. Minutes like, of healthy life per serving. So, so we'll start. Let's see. Yeah. Can you go through the axes? Because I'm lost already. So, so on the left, we have minus or plus minutes. Uh, so like below, lost or gained. So minutes below the line or, is you're losing Minutes life. lost. Okay. What's that one orange box that's way high? What's that referring is that, to? That, that looks is like seafood mixed dishes. peanut butter and wait. Peanut butter and jam sandwiches? No. Yeah, see. Wait, the one that's really These low or the one really that's really high? The one that's really high. Listen, Bad authors, figure. your study was published in like Nature Food or whatever, and that's a very impressive accomplishment. Next time, some dotted lines to connect your axes to the boxes would be greatly appreciated. Like, Peanut butter and jam sandwiches. A little bit of cons- Let's why that, that, that adds right. minutes? fraudulent data. No. <laughs> Frankfurter sandwiches. I mean, peanut butter apparently. is really good for you. Yeah. Frankfurters, uh, or hot dogs, as the rest of well, uh, I don't care because it gives me joy. And if hot I only dog ha- sandwiches, I'm sorry. Yes, but <laughs> oh, are we no, playing yes, this game? No, we- inside of two bread slices, that's a sandwich. Clearly, this data is rigged. Hot dogs are not sandwiches. <laughs> they I are sandwiches. Throw it out. I'm writing. I'm writing to nature. So- <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing to them. Let's see, cured meats and poultry. That's like cold cuts, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, those are that's surprising to me. But um, on, the, on the on the plus side, I'm sure so those it's all, all salt so, related. So let's see, a frankfurter it's nitrite related too. Yeah. There's all those additives oh, okay, within cured that meats, def- especially cured meats, as opposed to like even just deli meats. That could definitely skew the it's, data. You're right. Well, and those are like known carcinogens. I will point yeah, out so. that that hot dogs will subtract 36 minutes from your life. 
<laughs> one serving that's of hot not dogs surprising we'll subtract 36 okay, minutes okay sorry another yeah. one what's that green box that's really high like the very last light green yeah that one what's that one that that's... is nuts and seeds and it that will add roughly 25 minutes to you. yeah so pro oil. tip if you want to do a paleo diet and your wife is allergic to nuts and seeds just take some time Sit down and just cry because it is so <laughs> so difficult to do this. I thought you were going to say just don't. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, my wife and I, when we did this diet thing, it was very restrictive. I would assume oh, I haven't was it looked. Paleo? It, no, it was worse. And the oh, first, oh, okay. Yeah, Jesus. the first week was nothing but homemade chicken stock, essentially, from like organic chickens. You could put some celery and onion in it, I think, but I like everything fresh, homemade, and that was your three meals a day, was this. And eventually, oh you would get nuts and some other things, but <laughs> let me tell you, though. You when, would get nuts. Yeah. When your wife is allergic <laughs> to nuts, she can't eat snacks, basically. And oh, no. So basically, like any baking, any like alternative, milks almost always are like nut and seed based. So if you are attempting paleo and you have a nut allergy... I'm just going to throw that out. It will be a struggle. It is possible, but it is hard. Mm-hmm. I heard, don't attempt paleo. <laughs> That's what yeah, I heard. I stopped listening that. after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this this is a very interesting chart, but also a very good example of why sometimes these fat studies have a lot of co-founders. Like, I, I don't know the context. Was, I don't know. I assume they didn't take a bunch of people and cram them into no, a they, mouse they, room. And they do, they are careful butter. to say in the study that but yeah, uh, they're they like, careful to say in the study, yeah. I think basically, you know, these are not real numbers. This is no. just yeah. sort of an index mm-hmm. that we came up with yeah. that allows you to look at different foods and decide whether they are, well, you know, whether yeah. they're ones that you want to consume on a regular basis. Or, well, and or also, don't. depending on how they analyze the data. And again, I think there is probably a lot to be gleaned from here. Like, I actually would have thought that peanut butter and jam sandwiches would be terrible for you. Yeah, yeah I would have thought it would have been on the I'm other side. I'm on team all peanut butter and jam sandwiches I'm not fully team peanut butter and jam sandwiches because what is the peanut butter? What kind of peanut butter are we using? What kind of jam are we using? How much sugar is in It's good for the soul. It doesn't matter. May may I finish? (laughs) Please, Um, yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's a certain amount of like, is this the food that's causing you to live shorter or is it the general lifestyle? Because people that eat hot dogs on a regular basis are also not generally the people that are super like conscious of things. Like, Mm -hmm. because it costs about as much energy to heat up a hot dog as it does to like, make a peanut butter sandwich so like there there are certain like choice factors like people that are eating a lot of these kinds of foods are generally maybe also not being as active or yeah hopefully hopefully what you're saying is they controlled for these variables i'm hoping i don't don't know i don't think that there's a lot that you can control for because i'm gonna i I might trigger you riley i'm sorry that's okay i'm (laughs) I'm gonna go back to the engineering side of things because it's a system (laughs) your your body is a system there are inputs and there are outputs and there are too many inputs to control for so for Mm -hmm. a study like this you can say oh yeah these specific items do this to the system but you can't take into account all the other things that are going on within mm-hmm, that group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so just not possible. can't engineer the body. It's right. too complex of a system. Not triggered if I'm doing my PhD in engineering. I can't well, do that. I'm just, just <laughs> I didn't know. Just wanted but to play it safe. It is. It's a complex system. And I think even just looking right here, oils is just its own category. Mm-hmm. That That's a, there's alone a lot could of be so much variation. Yeah. Study. I mean, if you look at well-made olive oil versus like a vegetable oil canola. that we have. Yeah. Those are going to be completely canola. different numbers that are outputted because olive oil, I mean, look at Mediterranean diet. Those people in those blue zones are living 
Right. Hundreds. They eat plus. like nothing but olive oil. And basically, <laughs> isn't like olive oil, red wine. It's one like, of yeah. the main all the feta calories actually, in their diet. I actually remember one time. I don't remember where I found this, but it was like a little source book. I think in a cookbook comparing different diets, and it's like, oh yeah, keto, you restrict a bunch of your carbs, and like paleo, it's like that, but a little bit. But you also restrict like some meats, and then Mediterranean. It's like you eat a lot of olive oil and drink red wine every night. And yeah. I'm like, uh, that one, please. <laughs> There's even a doctor out there claiming you should drink a. He drinks a liter of olive oil every single week. He really oh. believes in it that much. I thought you were going to say every day. I don't aggressive. Know he drinks a liter of olive oil, and I'm going to look you, up his name. I, I mean, I like olive oil. I don't know that I would like. Yeah, I don't think I could drink in that it. manner. But are you taking it like a shot, like like an olive I think oil he shot? Just really drizzles everything in an it. Olive oil? I was going to say yeah. I do cook just about everything I make I in olive oil, yeah, just because I, it's I about rarely the only use oil like I have. Regular oil. It's yeah. Doctor yeah. Gundry. Doctor Gundry. Seafood. Seafood mixed dishes will add. Apparently 30... Oh, is that what that one is? 36. That's one of the higher ones. Oh, wait. Are, are we, have, been, have we been giving peanut have butter sandwiches wrong, to... No, that's peanut butter. Oh, wait. Yeah. What? Yeah, see, I, I was telling you, peanut butter sandwiches, should be man. High. Yeah, I think that, that, I think seafood, that that's what that one is. Seafood. No. Are you sure? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, seafood's that one. I've been trying to count from the side, but it's hard to count from the side when your head's behind a microphone. So, you know. <laughs> and I'm also, I'm also doing one of these where yeah, you're like, you have to sideways, you have a crick in your neck. Horizontal or yeah, vertical. Uh, look, authors, I, I'm with I'm with you. I, you know, like, Did you forget my name? No. What's yes, my name? Miranda. Thank you. <laughs> I'm with what's Miranda. Ryan's last name. I'm with Miranda. Do, you know, hire a graphic designer. Look. And, and like I, I this, know that this, I, I, I can my, almost guarantee that this was made in either Prism or a Prism-like software. Yeah, and I'm sure there must have been a check mark somewhere for grid lines. For grid I'm not lines. sure why also, you didn't include it. Unnecessary but. numbers of oh no, those are the indexing. Uh, what are those? Yeah, what are those numbers up? What are, there, what are your numbers up? What there? are your numbers? What are those? Let's let's pretend those numbers. Is that people that maybe <laughs> is that like like but, they're but n? The, but there's yeah. more there's Sample more size? bars than there are numbers up top. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know we'll, what those we'll numbers just, are. We'll just pretend that I like what you were trying to do. I appreciate nutrition studies coming to the mainstream of science. Yeah. I want mm -hmm. more of that. Yeah, and you also may have bit off more than you can chew with yeah. this one, but <laughs> yeah, and you Whatever please you do keep doing idea. it. Because you have a little like grid over there that shows like what each thing means in a box and whisker. That's very nice of you, but most people that are going to be reading this know what a box and whisker is. So like take that off because it's making the graph busy and then just add like little dotted yes. lines to connect to each of the boxes. You know, my, my wife works for a woman who believes, she's a scientist, believes that if you're trying to make your graphs look pretty, then your data probably sucks. Aww. I disagree. For I, this very I reason that we're looking at yeah. here. Granted, there's a difference between making it look pretty and making it look like interesting. Readable. Yeah. <laughs> because like I, I still remember Well, in her mind, like if it doesn't look like it came directly from Excel, you, okay. you know, like then you're trying too hard. <laughs> well, but in fairness, I have seen people legitimately try to put posters out there that have like the 3D effect on their graphs. And I'm not talking no. about like actual three dimensional <laughs> graphs where you're looking at an X, Y, and Z, but they just have a bar graph and they do the little tilt shift. And it's like, no, 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 no. Put that back because that is not going to help me make your point. At Actually, least it's not a pie chart. It's not a pie chart. That's true. I don't know how you would do a pie chart for this data, but... You know, I actually look at graphs with the 3D glasses already on oh, so that they really okay, pop out. Yeah. You know, I want I like the full it. experience. I like it when <laughs> I, I see my graphs. I want to go to a conference graphs. with you, Zach, where you just walk around with your little like red and blue Oh, they're glasses. the retro. Yeah, they're the red and blue. Yeah. yeah Everyone's like, what is wrong with you? And, and I'm like, like mm. <laughs> I like my graphs presented Facebook 3D style. You know, the 3D, the, oh, the fake 3D the images. Scan. Yeah. That's oh, how I like my yeah. Graphs. 
Where it's like they'll take a picture of your cat and then the cat like tilts. There's another challenge out there. Oh, yes. Mm. To help oh. you go viral and also to the emergency room. It's the milk crate challenge. What and is this? Because this keeps popping up. I'm going to be honest. It looks challenge and I, don't I know so this bad. is terrible, but I actually really do kind of want to try it, but not because of all the injury, because it seems like a fun test of balance. But well, it, I mean, okay. you know, fun. There oh are so many other <laughs> tests of balance to be doing. Let's, I know, let's like, watch this video. You know, slacklining exists, right? Yeah. Let's watch this video. You can feel free to comment during because I've. I do like climbing on things, though. I get where you can. Oh, oh. <gasps> no! Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Now that looked painful. Can we she's work? Fine. Okay. Can she's we get fine. A... She's, we're going to zoom in here and she's oh, smiling. Okay, she's laughing. Oh, oh yes. Gosh. This guy, I don't know. Oh, oh I can't no. watch. I can't watch this, Dave. <laughs> This is my worst nightmare for a podcast. I can't watch it. This, yeah, you and me, Riley. Oh, like, let's just shake oh it gosh, and there's so much wobble. To... This guy is going. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh god! That is not Don't cool. Oh man! Do this. He's fine. Oh, okay, he's no. alive. He's, he's fine. You will warn us if someone like actually breaks an angle. This right? is as far as I go. Okay. So I can't. Warn Nine. Him. Minutes in twenty four seconds. Of yeah, these this? are the these are the best ones. Oh man, we'll watch one more. Oh no! Oh nope. gosh! Nope. There he goes! Oh, oh, oh. There he goes! It's, it's, oh, 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 it's slow motion! Oh, oh that one actually was kind of funny. That's Can we revisit how like stiff milk crates are. Yeah, like if uh, you hit a corner, that's going. Okay, up. my oh. question is, where are people getting all these milk crates? I mean, is there a milk crate just like? <laughs> shortage you know yeah, you I'm just on the side of everyone and questions. it's like it's illegal to steal this milk crate yeah, yeah. exactly so I yeah. mean I'm just imagining there's people who just like go out at night they have their shopping carts or whatever and then they just come back loaded up with milk crates I mean maybe they maybe they're negotiating with the uh, black market bodega, milk with bodega owners or, yeah. or, uh, I think you can get them though at, like there's like a container store that like it's like an organizing yeah. store and like you can get them the, like those are the yeah. those are less robust I think. yeah you don't want the knockoff milk yeah. crates you know you Definitely want the pain the of the full plastic against oh. your back as you fall oh. ah. I know because it's like the, ah. I feel like there are ways to do this that like are okay like cardboard boxes you know like if you fall on them like it's gonna they hurt, will break yeah uh, but they'll they, break before you break. Yeah, they will break before you break. It's like you will fall mm-hmm. and you will crush it. Or alternatively, mattresses. Like, get, a, <laughs> like get some the mattress challenge. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's what I was thinking. We I'm need more saying. challenges that aren't going to lo- the bubble wrap in the challenge. ER. The bubble wrap yes. challenge. Exactly. Like, like, the, like the Pfizer, the Pfizer commodity vaccine challenge. Oh, <laughs> do not get me started. Like, on go the get your vaccine thing. challenge. Like, like go get how your fast vaccine can you get your challenge. vaccine? <laughs> I love the word. I love what they came up with for the name of it. It's so bad. If you don't know, uh, so the, the, the FDA has... Pfizer, uh, baby. Didn't, the didn't FDA has to put approved, like three different words? Yeah, yeah. they tried to do like The FDA has words. approved the vaccine so and the word and the and the brand name they came up with was Comernity, <laughs> which I have been reading for the past two what? days as 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 co... I can't even say it now. Comernet. Comernatty. Yeah, it's but a it turns out, daddy. COVID, yeah. community, mRNA, yeah. and something else. And it's or an immunity. It, and they came with community. Comernity. 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 I know, that's what everyone I feel like they, what they did is they took the four words, you know, they put them like on a long piece of paper. Had someone stared at it and then just like ran by really fast with this piece of paper and said, What do you see? And the guy's like, Ah, come in, 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 come
community get out of my office <laughs> but know. anyway I, did you have something you wanted to say about the milk crate challenge or i just, you, wanted, just wanted to point to it out that, well, i mean you know doctors are of course saying don't do this <laughs> yeah we're a damn um, helmet come also, on doctors are saying well, don't do this several um, medical societies i guess have come out and said don't do this it doesn't feel like a medical society one like like for things like the like when cinnamon challenge came out a while oh, back gosh. that one was i mean that one's dumb but it actually would take someone to tell you why it's dumb because on the one hand it's like is this eating a mouthful of powder who cares this one it's like this is very obviously not a good yeah, idea you shouldn't like really. there are visible reasons why it's a bad idea i will have i will say there's one subset of the population that i think would be okay with this that i've seen a couple of them it's when like mascots try to do it and you're just in this big big fluffy suit i think that you can you can take a hit in one of those okay see okay you know those like inflatable sumo suits you know that's what this i want to do this wearing one of those because then i could be like all right you know we're going up we can try this out but when i fall i'm i'm contacting uh, a big buffer rather than my spine. My big yeah. problem is you can't bail. If you yeah. get up there, Actually, yeah. the moment yeah. you try to go that way, the milk crates fall In the and you direction. literally fall yeah. right on That's them. kind of a good point where it's like you get to a certain level and you're like, oh no. There's I have, no bail without Yeah, I pain. cannot balance it. But then it's like, well, what the hell do I do? You know, I can't just jump off this thing. I'm now too high. Momentum is not Oh no. It's as soon as you see the... It's a visual... What it is, is a visual representation of your own hubris. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh no, I have climbed too high and now I cannot fall without injury. Yes, Icarus would have a lot to say about me going through my first test. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone too far. (laughs) My first test was all of an hour and a half ago, so that hits very close. I was going to say, oh yeah, you just got done with your first exam. Oh yeah. There I ask how it went. It went well. You know, I did the IMEI program this summer. For those who don't know what that is, it's the Intro to Medical Education program here at Iowa. It gives you sort of a a six-week head start on med school. So I'd had a couple exams, but... This was my first one with the full class, actual professor written questions. Yeah, it was good. We are done. So You're all done. we now have a weekend ahead of us in which to either procrastinate or work ahead. If or you uh, want a good advice, <laughs> ask Stephanie. Feel the information hemorrhage from your brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well congratulations. Um, I'm glad you made it through. First yeah, thank down. you. I'm excited too. That's our show. Zach, Miranda, Riley, Eric. Thank you for being on the show with me today. Thank you for having yeah, us. Thanks, thanks for having us on. And what kind of torn ACL would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available. Our editors are AJ Chowdhury and Eric Bozart. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities, as well as our sponsor. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying, keep your rubber smiling mask on. Talk to you in one week. Bye. Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can. 
in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you, and I'm glad you're here, and other people are too. 